Welcome to Behind the Investigation. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe with Atlanta News First Investigates, and I'm joined now by Andy Parati, an investigative reporter with Atlanta News First Investigates. And we're looking at a story today uh, that is is deeply disturbing because we're talking about the death of an inmate in a jail, but it exposes a larger issue uh, where in our unit we look more at systemic and institutional failures. Andy, tell us a little bit about this before we watch the story and what we need to know before we see it. Yeah, so this is a story about a gentleman named Cavell Wingle, a father of three, who went into this Cobb County Detention Center a number of years ago, and he immediately needed medical help. M- multiple people in the infirmary, even other nurses, noticed that he needed medical help, even one of them saying he can't fake this. What happens next, though, is really unfortunate because the one person that could have done something that could have allowed for someone to check his vitals chose not to do so, declined, believed he was faking it. And because of that, he died. I'm sending you one down. He's on the way. He's like laying on the floor screaming. He's sweating. He says he's got uh, abdominal pain. Well, he can't fake this. When Cavell Wingo arrived at the Cobb County Jail Infirmary in 2019, nearly the entire medical staff believed he needed help. Tiffany Womack, a trained EMT, asked to check his vitals. But the nurse in charge, Annalene Visser, said no. He actually fell backwards onto the floor and crawled to the window and was asking again, begging for help, and they could not breathe. Security camera video captures Cavell collapsing at least five times. The 32-year-old father was detained for drug possession. The charge nurse believed it was all an act to be sent to the hospital. You never thought that, hey, maybe I should go over here and see if anything's wrong oh, with him? Oh, no, no. This is Visser in a deposition this past May, part of a pending lawsuit. Why do you say he wasn't having a medical issue right then? Because I think he was acting out. All along he was acting out, wanting to go to the hospital. And if they'll do anything to go, and he would do anything to go, even if it means picking him off the floor. Kiara is one of Wingo's daughters. She don't know because she never checked, but she don't know because she never did what she was supposed to do. After growing tired of Wingo's screams for help, Nurse Visser asked deputies to put him in an isolation room. He immediately collapsed inside. Did he look like he was okay medically at that time? You know, when they act out, they do act like that. They pretend to be dead. How difficult is it to hear her say these things? Difficult because if they would have just did a job. <sighs> Sorry. They would have just did a job. We wouldn't be here. According to the medical examiner, Wingo died from a perforated ulcer. That means his abdominal cavity was bathing in stomach acid, painful and deadly. No drugs were found in his system. Is there anything that you would do different about that night? Nothing. An admission after she was already fired and a lawsuit against her and her former employer settled. Because this was the show of the day. Wingo's family filed a complaint with the Georgia Board of Nursing asking the agency to revoke Visser's license. On May 17th, the family's attorney sent this letter to the board, alerting the state it was conducting a future videotaped deposition with Visser and to reserve its ruling until it received a copy. 
Five days later, an administrative law judge recommended Visser serve just one year probation. The nursing board could have rejected or modified the ruling, but didn't, and it never requested to review the deposition. I have a huge problem with that. Elaine Harris is a former nursing professor at Mercer University with more than 40 years of experience. She believes the board made a decision based on incomplete information. Why do you think it would have been so important for the board to see this video deposition? They would have seen this nurse's utter lack of compassion, her utter lack of care. I can't envision her in any other practice setting and and being considered a safe practitioner. The president of the nursing board, Tammy Bryant, declined to be interviewed about its decision. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, whose agency provides administrative support to the board, also declined. A spokesperson writing, it does not wield any statutory authority over the individual enforcement process or otherwise influence board decision-making. If you were to have examined Mr. Wingle at that time, how long would it have taken? Maybe five minutes. A nurse who admits she learned nothing from her actions the night this father died in a state board that believes she deserves to keep practicing medicine. It clearly showed either you don't know how to do your job or you just don't care. So you shouldn't be taking care of nobody. You shouldn't even be a nurse. I don't know nurses that act like that. Now, we reached out to Visser and her attorneys multiple times for comment, but did not hear back. You know, Andy, this is such a disturbing story because we see, and you showed, you know, the five times he falls down. And the the nurse's interpretation that he must have been faking. But this is what we call an investigative reporting a self-proof. Because we know he had this essentially ulcer that is pouring acid into his internal, you know, abdominal cavity and we know this is how he died, that we know he wasn't faking it. And that's what makes this so disturbing when you hear the testimony from the nurse. Yeah, the deposition is really telling her saying multiple times. She wasn't asked just one time whether she would do things differently. She responds the same way each time saying, I would have done nothing differently. And what I did not make a big point in the story that I should make a point now is she had nothing to lose by saying that she would have done something differently. This is after a lawsuit has been already settled with her former employer, the former medical provider for the jail, and after she was already fired. So she had nothing to lose, but still sort of like stuck in, dug in, saying I wouldn't have done anything different. Well, and she was under oath. So, you know, I guess we have to take her at her word that Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have done anything differently, which is why it makes the questions to the government agencies that are supposed to be overseeing these nurses that much more serious. If she wouldn't do anything differently, that led to the death or at least didn't intervene in the death of an inmate, then the question is, how can we trust her to be a nurse in any environment going forward? Isn't that the overriding question in and all that, this? Yeah, and that's what the nursing professor of 40 years believed too, her lack of empathy. Did she learn anything from this? And that's why she told me she believed that she cannot be considered a safe practitioner. And you, you know, after 
this story aired or even published before it even aired on television after it was published on our website, I received an email from an internal source within the Secretary of State's office, and it is clear that the president of the nursing board was upset, saying that she believes she did not review all of the video in this story, and that may have made a world of difference. Yeah, especially, you know, when you hear language, you know, you and I, because of what we do for a living, we pay incredibly close attention to word selection when someone's speaking. Mm. We listen to dialogue for a living. And the one thing I noticed over and over again in her deposition, she even corrects herself at one point. She, she says, well, they mm-hmm. always do this or they tend to fake it or they will do anything, uh, you know, to go to the hospital. Um, and then at one point she says, well, he and she sort of catches herself because she is lumping in this man who died with everyone else who may have faked it before. So in this experience of being a nurse in a jail, is it possible that she has uh, it has colored her view of evidence that she should be judging independently, but she's projecting onto it her past experiences? Yeah, the nursing professor saw the same thing, heard the same thing that you also heard, using the word they, and she believes because of her extensive experience working there that it sort of colored her uh, idea of uh, of these individuals coming into the infirmary that 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 filter that bias that she was seeing them not as patients but as people who were potential criminals that maybe were drug seeking. I mean, she believed that Cavell Wingo was drug seeking, and that's what made this so incredibly difficult. Is yes, he was brought in for drug possession, but yeah, the no autopsy shows that he didn't yeah. have any drugs in his system. Wow, that, that's yeah. fascinating. And then a lot of people don't realize, but you've, you've covered a lot of these uh, jail incidents, and particularly in Cobb County as well, that most of these jails, and, and it's important to point out there's a difference between jail and prison. Mm-hmm. People use those terms interchangeably, but prison is generally where you're sentenced to a year or more incarceration post-conviction, and jail is where you are sent pre-trial mm-hmm. or for less than a year post-conviction. But you've done a lot of these jail uh, investigations, and a lot of people don't realize that there are medical facilities, even in their county jail, because they deal so often with medical conditions, that there's actually jail medical staff. Usually it's a contracted company, right? Yeah, this is a symptom, or Cavell Wingo is a symptom of a bigger systemic problem with the populations in our jail and the expectations that sheriff's offices... um, has the capacity to help them, right? Cavell Wingo was a, a gentleman who likely could not afford to get out on bond while waiting for his trial. So he, like so many others, are in the jail. It's a population with a lot of sick, sick individuals, which is why they have infirmaries in these jails. But simply because of his means, that he was poor, that he could not afford to get out of jail to wait for his court date for a very simple uh, accusation, drug possession, that's the, the, the big systemic issues that he should not have been even in there to begin with waiting for his court date sick. He should have been out in public with his family getting medical treatment at a hospital that was willing to take him that didn't see him as a potential criminal, but just saw him as a patient. And because this is behind the investigation, you know, one of your techniques that I admire so much is the way you're able to work with plaintiff's attorneys to get information that otherwise we can't get or would have difficulty getting through the Open Records Act as investigative reporters because they have the power of a subpoena. In this case, you couldn't interview the nurse 
Visser, but you could get her deposition through that civil process. Just out of curiosity, was this under the previous sheriff in Cobb County or the current sheriff? Yeah, so this was uh, the previous uh, sheriff, which in a previous employer, I ended up suing to get jail records because that sheriff was not providing jail records. But yeah, you're right. This is a, a situation that happened involving a, a different sheriff, not the current well, one. Well, the reason I bring it up is because you sued the, the previous sheriff. And the reason you sued was because they had, this sheriff had created essentially, a, I don't want to call it fake, but an outside investigation from a friend who was an attorney who then made it seem as though there was this administrative investigation that would then prevent you from getting the records of jail deaths. Is that right? Yeah. Um, this is a little timely because that person that they said was investigating those jail deaths is an attorney named Nathan Wade. Nathan Wade is one of the lead attorneys that the Fulton County District Attorney's Office is using to investigate and prosecute uh, Trump and his allies. And in his uh, in a hearing where I sued the sheriff, we deposed uh, Mr. Wade, and he says that during his investigations and the jail deaths, um, that he would go in, look at files, he would write notes um, about each file, about each death, and then on his way out of the office looking at the file, he would simply throw away his notes, and he said that all of his his um, records of the jail deaths that he was allegedly investigating was was in his brain. I think he said brainchild. I know we've yeah, completely gone that, yeah. off in a completely different no, tangent. No, but that's what behind the yeah. investigation is about. But what's important is that that case became yeah. first impression, which yeah. means there's precedent for getting these records going forward. And I applaud you for that. Yeah. And then also, I know that you're also looking at what we now have is 10 deaths this year in the Fulton County Jail which is uh, so far this year. And there's a, a civil rights investigation by the Justice Department. I mean, this isn't, what I mean to say is this isn't limited to the Cobb County Jail, previous sheriff or current. This is a, a broader issue, not only in Georgia, but nationwide. Yeah, that's right. And what's interesting is that if you ask Georgia Bureau of Investigation, you ask the state how many jail deaths there are in the state, no one can tell you. And the reason of reason why that is, is because when a death happens at a jail, um, the sheriff can investigate themselves. There's no state law preventing them from investigating themselves and saying whether they thought they acted appropriately or not. Yeah, a lot of people think the GBI yeah. comes in mm -hmm. automatically, but that they have to be invited in by the sheriff. Yeah, yeah, that's or, right. Or another sheriff's office, they sometimes do that. Yeah. Andy, thanks so much. Anything mm -hmm. else you want to add? No. All right, great. This has been Behind the Investigation with investigative reporter Andy Parati. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe. This is also a podcast, so you can listen to Behind the Investigation wherever you get your podcasts.